You're listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the go, special ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, Craig, the Washington Nationals have won game three of the National League Division Series and are up two games to one. For the first time ever, ever. they are up two games to one ever. in a series. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, I um, don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm, don't get, I mean, I'm obviously excited. You know, don't happy, get me wrong. Happy emotions are foreign to Joe. I, I don't, yes. Those of you who don't know me well, I don't do well with happy. Uh, happy is a weird thing. So, I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I think, um, shock was kind of the first feeling that I experienced when I tweeted, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, just because it just feels, it feels so different this postseason than the previous two times that the team has been there. It like, right. it, it's not even in the realm of the same feeling. No, there's not. Uh, there's in the past. It's always been a a kind of fly by the seat of your pants, hold on for dear life, um, almost a hopeless kind of don't belong here feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think the don't belong here feeling is definitely right. Uh, and right now, it feels like the Nationals have gone down. Thanks to Corey Seager in the first inning, every single game of this series. Yep. And neither time have I felt that, okay, we're done. Yeah, I will say that today, uh, after game three, when Gio gave up, you know, a Seager, I was just like, Ugh. it was just like that feeling I just did not want. But in the first two games, I didn't feel that way at all. I was like, oh, they can come back from this. You know, it was right. it, it was very much like uh, you never felt out of it. You know, the for the two wins in games two and three, the Nationals came back from deficits, which is oh, awesome. Absolutely, which is which is exactly and they almost, what you want. as we discussed, came back in game one. Right. I mean, very very close, they, and they had many opportunities to do so uh, in that game. They had several chances, including some with bases loaded. So yeah, no question. Um, so yeah, coming into this uh, this game, as we discussed yesterday, we both of us felt very very good about the Nationals' chances uh, with Gio Gonzalez on the hill going up up against Kenta Maeda, and it worked out. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I certainly wouldn't say that Gio Gonzalez had his best performance, but it was he had a good enough performance. My uh, prediction was not. Awful. It wasn't great. Uh, right. Dusty Baker said he more pitched himself out of the game uh, than did great. He went, I think, four and a third, gave up three runs, was yeah. taken out after a pinch hit home run by uh, Carlos Ruiz. former Philly. Yeah, uh, yeah Carlos Ruiz. And uh, this is fantastic. My uncle, uh, my father's, uh, one of my father's brothers, sent me a text message tonight. He lives just north of Philadelphia. Big Phillies fan. He texted me and he said, well, the Nats' former Phillies beat the Dodgers' former Phillies tonight. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, so nice. Jason Worth uh, beat Carlos Ruiz and Joe Blanton, uh, and, essentially. And Chase Utley. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So it was uh, pretty interesting to see that. 
the uh, Carlos Ruiz home run on Gio Gonzalez really did him in. But yeah, other than that, him. I thought Gio Gonzalez did a fairly decent job. I mean, uh, the walk in the first inning, obviously Corey Seager made him pay for it. But other than that, the Nationals got a lead. He came down and had the announcer's dream of a shutdown inning. Right. Yeah, uh, right. And then the only other thing he really gave up was the uh, home run to Carlos Ruiz. I mean, he went to some 3-2 counts. It wasn't pretty, but it wasn't terrible. He didn't run into all of the geo traps we've seen no, before. No, and I was, I was going to say that after game two, I said, you know, kind of predicting this, I said, if you see Gio Gonzalez have, you know, limit his start to, you know, two or three walks, you're probably having an okay night. He had one walk. I still wouldn't consider it a great night, so I think my prediction was a little bit off too. Um, but he, because uh, he, Gio Gonzalez also doesn't give up a ton of home runs, so that was a you know, and he only gave up the one. It was just in a bad situation. But the thing you did see out of Gio Gonzalez, which you basically always do, is yeah, he like you said, he went four and a third innings, but he also threw 83 pitches. So in four and a third inning. So I think, like you said, that uh, mentioned Dusty's comment, he kind of pitched himself out of the game at that point. After he gave up the run, the home run to Ruiz and uh, got the game really close, um, Gio, at, with that high pitch count, plus the game being close and Gio not being someone who, quote-unquote, pitches on, in adversity well, uh, it was the right opportunity to get him out of there and bring Solis into the game. I think so. I yeah. think so, and you've seen uh, the bullpen just be absolutely lights lights out this whole postseason for the Nationals, which has been, uh, shall I say, the Nationals' bugaboo. Yeah, uh, for back in twelve and fourteen, and they've been so far the Nationals' strength here in sixteen, and a lot they've of come that, in. I think is um, managerial use. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Yep. Uh, Dusty Baker has been doing a fantastic job. He's pulled all the right strings thus far. And if you'd have told me that um, we'd be saying that at the beginning of this year about a Dusty Baker, we, I, I would have probably laughed. Yeah, me too. It would have sure. been crazy. And um, when you're looking at 2014, when Matt Williams was basically making a mockery of baseball. Yeah. Well, his uh, decision-making processes were terrible against the Giants th the whole yeah. way through. And Dusty Baker's fallen through three games. It has fallen into none of those traps. So I, I think all of the things we talked about after game two, with Solis probably being available for, for longer left-handed relief, and then Perez throwing a little bit longer, but probably being able available sh for short relief, and Zabchinski not being available... All of those things turned out to be true. Dusty pulled all the triggers at the right time. Solis had, had some long relief for Gio. And then Perez came in and gotten out and gave up a hit and gotten out. And then Sean Kelly came in and just was nails and, and did every, like, he was the, certainly, I think, the pitching MVP of the game. And I, I, there's another MVP that I want to talk about, too, on the, on the other side of it. But um, I, I think that the bullpen, and then Melanson, Melanson. Um, yeah. It's just such a foreign feeling to have a bullpen do what the Nationals' bullpen was able to do. No, it's very strange, and uh, it's another thing that four months ago, three months ago, 
if you'd have told me that the Nationals' bullpen would be their strength come October, we would have laughed at you. No question. That was the big fear. Yeah. It was a disaster. It was terrible. I yeah, it was it was not good. It was a, a, a scary situation. And Mike Rizzo made a couple moves, short up the bullpen. I mean, can you imagine if we had Jonathan Papelbon instead of Mark Melanson yeah, in there? Talk about it talk about a different whole different world. I mean, how many of these players were on the roster in June? Yeah. Really? It, it's a whole it's I mean, Sammy Solis wasn't, Mark Melanson wasn't, for sure, uh, in terms of people who pitch today. Yeah. Um, so it's a, the bullpen has come into its own and, like you said, has been a shining star during the postseason um, for the Nats through three games and other shining star that you just, I mean, I, Jason Worth, man. You, you can't, you can't not I mean, mention Jason Worth. Yeah, I mean, he just oh is God. unreal. Just unreal. Um had a three for four game uh, in game three, couple of RBIs, uh, had a walk. I mean, he's he's turned into a machine in the postseason again, and uh, just when the Nationals needed it, I, I don't even know what to say after all of the, the things we said about him uh, in game after game two. But he has been unreal at 37 years old. Yeah, he really has come alive in this postseason, and. Nothing says more than uh, the quality at bats he put uh, in the, I would say, probably the first inning. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Trey Turner came out. I want to say he struck out on three pitches against Kenta Maeda. Right. uh, To to lead off the game. Right. And then Jason Worth came up and seven, eight, nine pitches. I don't remember exactly what it was. Jason Worth had a classic Jason Worth at bat. Yeah, he's the and master it was, of it. He's, he, I mean, he sees the most pitches in Major League Baseball. He and, and there's or at the top of the number of pitches per at bat, and you saw exactly that in in it, all through the postseason, really. But you saw it early in the game today too. And from that point on, uh, the Nationals' uh, first time through the order, you know, not great. But after that, it was that at bat that really started getting the Nationals going uh, against Maeda. And uh, Jason Wirth was just seeing the pitches all day long and culminated in just absolute dominance in taking Kenley Jansen, the Dodgers' closer, who they probably didn't want to get him in that game at all, but they kind of had to in a close contest. Yeah, I what was it? 110.5 miles an hour exit velocity and and I think 450 feet. I yeah, mean, 450 he feet. Massacred it. Uh, he just massacred the baseball. It, it was that that Jason Worth swing when he just can line one that far is just so fun to see. I mean, it was awesome. It was great. Um Bryce Harper looked uh more Harper like. I'm not saying that he looked like Bryce Harper cuz he still does not. Um, but to, he, he had a one for two game, a couple of walks, looked a little bit more comfortable at the plate today, I think, than he has through the first two games in the series. I think, uh, definitely through then and through a lot of the end of the regular season as well. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, and I, and, uh, also you have to bring up Anthony Rendon gets another home run. uh, Yeah. Anthony Rendon has been fantastic. Yeah, he's he well, he had a phenomenal year. 
Yeah, exactly. Like like we talked about towards the end of the season, early on in the year, uh, Anthony Rendon has been um, was, was had a, struggled early on, and so people kind of did not pay attention to Rendon uh, as the season went on. But he ha- turned his year into an incredibly strong season. Uh, it, it really, really, really turned around for him, and people didn't pay attention really st- until the end of the year. But he's, he was awesome. I mean, the, the whole way through, Rendon ended up being uh, an extremely valuable NL player towards the end of the season. For sure. Uh, and do you want to say anything real quick about uh, Trey Turner and his wheels and scoring from first on a Jason Worth double yeah, because the reason I do want to talk about it, and I, I lost my mind when it actually happened during the game. <laughs> I figured you would because we kind of discussed that exact thing yesterday, and, and that's why you send Trey Turner always. Every time. and that's Was that know, Sunday or Saturday? It was, I can't remember. It was, it was Sunday's game. It was, it, was, it was game two. It was – and credit to, to Bob Henley from – learning from the mistake of not sending. I, I think that Henley afterwards probably like, oh, it was Trey Turner. What the, what was I thinking? And so I think that he kind of learned from that mistake and was like, huge opportunity here. I'm sending, I am sending him. I, like, there's no question about it. Like, he's going right now. Um, yeah, you have to send, you have to make the fielders make mistakes with Trey Turner on the base pass. It's exactly what we talked about in the game two post show. Exactly the same thing. Um and also, I, I, I want to bring up Ryan Zimmerman. I, I don't where, – where has this come from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, it, you nailed this prediction for this series. <laughs> like, you could not possibly have gotten this prediction more accurate. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you said Ryan Zimmerman's going to be that guy, and he – all he's done this postseason is hit uh, 455 with a 1083 OPS. I mean, I said he was going to have a big hit to the opposite field, or I said he was going to have a couple. Yeah, which he did after uh, in game three. He did have yeah. that hit. Uh, so yeah. he just has been he's been awesome. Exactly what you need, and you you hoped it would happen. And I, oh god, I'm so glad to see it. I mean, I'm not. I I'm so happy to see it. It's great. It's great to see. I I loved seeing that. Uh, what was it? Ryan Zimmerman's wife this morning tweeted that she and uh, their daughter were watching Sesame Street this morning, and the number of the day was eleven. <laughs> and she awesome. thought it was a good sign. I didn't see that. That's incredible. So, That's incredible. Apparently, it was. Um, you and I both thought uh, the overnight trip was going to benefit uh, the Nationals, and I think it definitely did. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so. In going into today, uh, or going into Game Four, you gotta figure the Dodgers are gonna throw Clayton Kershaw. That was literally on on my list. I have a couple of notes, and one of them is Kershaw for Game Four? Question mark. They have to. It, you, they it have has to. to be Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, you you have to have Kershaw and have somebody available for long relief afterwards. It's uh, gonna be uh, Kershaw and then Urias and then everyone on deck. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you have to manage an elimination game. Um, right. And the Nationals are on the other side of that for the first time in their major league in history, in franchise history, in team history. So um, it is going to be really interesting to see how uh, 
the Nationals handle that pressure. Uh, and also on the same side, how Joe Ross handles that pressure, if, assuming he goes game four, which I imagine that he will. Um, I don't think that should change the Nationals' plan. I don't think at it should all. either. You, because you hope it changes the Dodgers' plan. And worst case scenario, then you have Scherzer go Game Five. So yeah. it, that's on on normal rest. That's your best case scenario, or your worst case scenario. Your best case scenario is you have Ross and Lopez, as we talked about earlier. But I think you have to have Kershaw go Game Four if you're the Dodgers. And well, the thing is, all, game, if all hands on deck, like you said. Yeah, and the thing is, if for some reason, if uh, all hands on deck works for the Dodgers tomorrow with Kershaw and Urias and everyone else. Yep. They're going to have to go Rich Hill and on short rest and question mark. Rich Hill who has an injury, a significant injury history on short rest. Uh, and bullpen after a, yes, they get an off day and another cross country flight against Max Scherzer, Tanner Roark. Exactly. Because then, and, then everybody's all hands on deck for the, for for Game Five if it gets to that point. Yeah, all hands on deck for the Nationals with Scherzer and Roark versus Rich Hill and question mark. Yeah. That's very very different. A whole whole different thing. Um, so uh, obviously, two one lead shows that the the ball is firmly in the Nationals' court right now, and it's a very weird thing to say. It was a very exciting game. The Nationals' bullpen, I cannot say enough. Uh, I cannot praise Jason Worth's appearances enough. I cannot praise Dusty Baker enough for his incredible bullpen management. And I have seen several national baseball writers say, like, do the little uh, peek around the wall emoticon. Like, Dusty Baker's managing a hell of a series. Yeah. There's going to be – people are going to look back, no matter how it turns out, people are going to look back at the way that Dusty did this and go, wow, Dusty took advantage of his couple of years out of baseball. He learned he learned some stuff because he's a different manager than, than he was last time he was in the game. No question. I mean, it's just – he's doing everything differently and everything the right way. He's got good coaches around him. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's really – it's an encouraging sight to see for the Nats, for sure. Um, for sure. Uh, one more thing before we get into final thoughts, I guess. Yep. Uh, second time in the series, Danny Espinosa gets double switched out of the game. Yeah. Uh, he is now 0 for 7 with six strikeouts and three hit by pitches, one of which was in the strike zone. Yeah. Yeah. Does he start at shortstop tomorrow? Uh, it would not at all surprise me if Stephen Drew was playing baseball for the Nationals in the starting lineup on uh, for Game Four. It would not it surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Do you think he will? He Baker made a comment before Game Three that he's not that kind of manager. So I'm going to say Espinosa starts. But I'm going to say Espinosa start, starts too. Another short solely, leash, though. Solely because. The Nationals are up in the series, and Danny Espinosa has been playing sterling defense. Which you need. Especially with a guy like need. Joe Ross and, and Reynaldo Lopez going for Game 4. Yep. So, yeah, I think there's a, re- there's a chance. But I think it's another short, leaf, short leash situation, though. And I think it would be interesting to see if he gets double-switched out again once Lopez comes into the game tomorrow, assuming he does, which he probably will. How much do you love... Pedro Severino. Oh my God, he, he's so much. He is a treat. 
<laughs> he's How so much fun, fun to does watch. that guy have? Yeah, he he's exactly what you want. And it between Ramos and Lobatone and Severino, like those guys are just so entertaining to watch catch. We are extremely lucky to be able to watch those guys catch and call a baseball game. Uh it's awesome. And Severino's been kind of he was my pick for the uh uh for the Pick, pick to click a little bit in the series, and he hasn't, you know, done a huge amount. But it's just so much fun to watch him catch, and he's calling a great game. He's been great defensively when he's been in there for a game and a half or whatever for the series. So he's been awesome, for sure. So as of this recording, at uh, it is right now 10 p.m. on Monday night. We don't know when Game Four is going to be. Oh, that's true. It all depends on Monday night's Giants-Cubs game, which I believe started half an hour ago. Yeah, it started pretty recently. As of yeah. this recording. Right. Um, I believe if the Giants win, the Nationals play at 5 p.m. Eastern. If the Cubs win, the Nationals play at 8 p.m. Eastern. So we're not sure when we're going to talk to you again. Uh, it all depends. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, we will. 2-1 series lead. Feeling really good. The Nationals uh, have been putting a hurting on the Dodgers and really making them pay. Uh, they have not let any pitcher uh, really be effective against them. So, yeah, I, I, I got to feel good. The th- I feel good. Uh, you know, throughout the whole series, we kind of talked about it beforehand. This can be our kind of parting thought and thoughts. Um we were kind of talking about before the show, like I'm trying to not let myself consider the narrative of what's happening. I'm just like, Oh, there's a baseball game tomorrow. Bye. Like that's, that's kind of like where my mind, I'm not letting myself get caught up in it because I just don't think I can let it happen. Like, yeah, I I don't know why it is. I don't know why. Try and take it one day at a time. Like it's, it's such a baseball platitude, but it's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just like, okay, there's baseball tomorrow. Okay. You know, I'm not letting myself get caught up in all the narrative. I don't know how, how – are you thinking that way at all, or are you just saying, you know what, I'm getting caught up in it, and it's going to be awesome? I have uh, – well, my watching experience has been very different. Um, I'm trying – like, I'm watching the game, and in big moments, I'm finding myself, like, doing fist pumps and all yeah, sorts me too. of stuff me like too, that. Yeah, me too, for sure. Uh, you know, seventh inning, get a big out or whatever, doing a big fist pump to myself or whatever. Um, but I'm also just being like, okay, all right, that's cool. I can, I'm making myself walk away from the TV if I need to. Yeah. I've done that a few times. Uh, and just being like, I'm not going to check my phone or anything yeah. like that. I've been really uh, off Twitter <laughs> because it's, I'm just trying to like enjoy every moment of, of what I'm watching. Like I understand the big stage, but I'm just not letting myself get caught up in the larger context. I think. Like, it's, well, it's yeah, a huge I, I, stage, but I'm not letting myself get caught up in the big context, I guess. Like, even Sunday afternoon, it was like, okay, I need to go, you know, change the baby's diaper. It's okay. I'm not going to... Right, right, right. Exactly. Like, try and put the radio on in the baby's room while I'm changing a diaper. I'm like, right. it's okay. You it's... Know, I'm not trying to let myself obsess about it. Yet. Right, exactly. I kind of feel the same way without, because I feel like I'll lose it if I try. Yeah, if I, <laughs> if I let myself obsess, it's just going to spiral. Yeah, So exactly. I'm just trying to... I guess it's trying to not let it seem so little Abner-esque. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good use of a little yeah. Abner. Uh, well, on that note, we'll uh, wrap up this Game 3 recap. Game 4, as Craig mentioned, will be on uh, is scheduled to be on Tuesday, either at 
uh, 5 or 8 p.m. We will be with you after that game. It depends on which time it is to know if it will be right after the game or if it might be you know, a, d- delayed a little bit. But we will keep you posted on Twitter as soon as we have uh, the timeline. But like I said, it will depend on the, on the game time. If it's at 8 o'clock, it'll be, we'll be pretty hard-pressed to get one in that night after the game. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we will keep you posted. Thank you guys for tuning into uh, this Game 3 recap. And Nats have a 2-1 lead, dude. A 2-1 to is, one lead. This is awesome. This is awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I, it's, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> it's, it, I am there. I am totally in it, and I, I am amped. I hope you all are too, and we will talk to you all after Game 4. Thanks for listening to Nats Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!